Thanks for tuning in to Charlottesville Soundboard. I'm your host, Mary Garner McGee. Soundboard airs every other Saturday at 6 a.m. on WTJU 91.1 FM and also comes to you as a podcast that belongs to the Virginia Audio Collective. Have you ever had a bike accident, gone to the ER, waited five hours to get a Band-Aid and have a light shined in your eye, and then about a month later get a bill in the mail for $800? Because I'm really hoping I'm not alone in that experience. In this episode, we talk about a new law that's supposed to bring more transparency to medical billing. It's called the No Surprises Act, and it took effect in January. Here's the gist. When surprise out-of-network charges occur, providers can no longer bill patients for more than their in-network cost-sharing. If you're already a little confused, then we're here to help. Today we'll be hearing from Senior Managing Attorney Robin Leiter-White of the Central Virginia Legal Aid Society. I'm going to hand things over to Sarah Howarth for her interview with Robin Leiter-White. My name is Robin Leiter-White, and I am the Senior Managing Attorney and Office Manager here in our Charlottesville office of Central Virginia Legal Aid Society. I have actually worked here for 18 years. My law practice focuses primarily on consumer law, housing law, and employment law. I also teach a class at the law school on housing law and poverty, which I really enjoy. And I guess interesting thing about me is I'm actually a Charlottesville native. I lived here through my high school years. So it's kind of nice to be back working in this community and definitely feel a part of things here. Tell me a little bit about the Legal Aid Society. Sure. So Central Virginia Legal Aid Society, otherwise known as CVLAS, we are a federally funded nonprofit law firm. We provide free legal assistance to low-income people in civil cases. So we don't do any criminal laws. It's just civil cases. We also provide preventative legal education to folks in the community. We've been around since 1971. So we actually just celebrated our 50-year anniversary. We have over 20 attorneys in our three offices. So we have office in Charlottesville, Richmond, and Petersburg. So we serve those cities and then the surrounding counties. Like I said, I mean, I primarily work on housing consumer and employment law, but we also have people in my office who do domestic violence and family law. And up in Richmond, they do all of those things as well, including elder law, public benefits, and on. So we've been here in the community for a long time, and and we primarily work with clients one-on-one. We go to court a lot and do a lot of direct casework. And how is the Central Virginia Legal Aid Society involved in medical or health law? In several ways, actually. So the first way is in our Richmond office, we partner with the VCU health system to address health harming legal needs for patients and their families through a medical legal partnership. I'm pretty sure Legal Aid Justice Center does that here in Charlottesville. I think they have the one that's here. So it's like kind of the same thing. So our MLP team serves on site at several medical clinics to provide free legal services, outreach and education. So that's like a really cool thing. Because just like we're talking about today, you know, often people who are in, you know, a medical situation might have some kind of legal issue and just not really, you know, know where to turn in that way. We also have two healthcare navigators, which was part of the Affordable Care Act, and two counselor application assisters. And so they provide enrollment assistance um, for our clients in Medicaid and also to find insurance on the marketplace. So they provide eligibility information and healthcare resources in the community for uninsured individuals, as well as outreach and healthcare education. 
and they also help file appeals for wrongful determinations for these services. Third thing we do, we also provide legal services in all areas of public benefits. Mostly it's attorneys up in our Richmond office, but we may start doing that here in Charlottesville as well. So that would include SNAP, which was formerly food stamps, TANF, which used to be aid to families with dependent children, and then Medicaid and Medicare as well. And finally, and this is something more of what I do, is um, sometimes there are clients who don't have any insurance. And they end up having these astronomical medical bills. And some people know this, but not everybody knows if the hospital receives state funding, they are required to offer financial aid. Not everybody qualifies for the financial aid. And that can be frustrating in some ways because some people really should qualify, but they might own some land or there might be just some sort of you know, asset or something that keeps them from qualifying, but they need to offer it. And if they haven't been offered it, this can sometimes be a defense to a suit for unpaid medical bills. So sometimes we'll get cases where people are just being sued for tens of thousands of dollars in circuit court by UVA hospital. And, you know, often we're able to talk with their lawyer and be like, look, this person's going to qualify for financial aid. Let's get them in there and see if they can do that. And they can apply it retroactively. That's kind of another way we're involved in health law because it is consumer law too. I saw this article that came out a little while ago about UVA's predatory billing. Have you (laughs) had a lot of experience with that or anything you can tell us about? Well, I'm just over years and years of having clients come in with just these crazy bills. I mean, I had situations where somebody was being brought in on a like emergency commitment order and made to sign some documents saying they were going to pay things, but they're not in their right mind while they're signing it. So clearly that's a problem. I haven't seen a lot of these probably like since that article came out. I think there's a lot less of it. And I think that they're definitely trying to amend their ways. And the thing about it is most of these folks can't afford to just ruins their credit. It's just sort of a a terrible use of resources all around. Yeah, I had no idea that UVA was actually involved in so much of what the No Surprises Act is trying to prevent. So we are going to be talking a lot about the No Surprises Act on the podcast today. And for listeners who don't know, what is the No Surprises Act? So the No Surprises Act is actually part of a larger federal bill. The purpose of it is to protect consumers from unexpected excessive bills from out-of-network medical providers. And I'll explain this a little bit more in a minute. But specifically, the law prohibits an out-of-network provider from sending patients something called a balance bill which is also sometimes referred to as a surprise medical bill. And this is often for either emergency services or non-emergency services that happen at an in-network hospital, but there's an out-of-network provider that the person doesn't know about that ends up performing the services. So just to back up a little bit, what exactly is a surprise medical bill? So let's say you have health insurance and you get care from an out-of-network provider or you know, whether you're at that facility or you're at an in-network facility, and it can leave you with higher costs than if you just got it from the in-network provider. And the reason this would happen is because there might be some cost sharing, out-of-network cost sharing you might owe, but then in addition to that, the facility could bill you for the difference between the bill charge and the amount your health plan paid. And this would be called balance building. Call it a surprise medical bill because people don't even know they're being treated by an out of network provider. Maybe they didn't agree to that. This can happen whether they chose or not. Often this happens like in the emergency department. You come in and who's ever taking care of you is going to take care of you. Or when receiving treatment from an anesthesiologist during surgery, you know, and then you get this separate bill that you didn't know what you were going to get. 
And so this really, you know, would leave the patient consumer really holding the bag, having to pay this without really understanding that they would have to pay this. No Surprises Act is really building on years of work in different states to offer these protections. So there are approximately 33 states that had their own No Surprise billing laws, but they kind of varied in scope and some offered more protections than others. Last year, Virginia enacted its own billing protection law, and it protected individuals that had plans that were regulated by Virginia, but it didn't cover all plans, especially self-insured plans. So really, this federal law is going to offer a floor of protection and kind of in the ways that federal laws generally work. You know, for example, like minimum wage, you'd have a federal minimum wage. I think it's still seven twenty-five an hour, but in Virginia, it's eleven dollars an hour. So Virginia couldn't offer a minimum wage that was less than seven twenty-five, but it can give you something more generous. In the same way, if the federal act is providing more protections, they're going to go with the federal act to apply. But then, if your state law provides more protections than the state law would apply, generally, the No Surprises Act is going to usually protect patients from these balance bills in emergency services or scheduled non-emergency care at an in-network hospital when the provider there is out of network for the patient's plan. So just like we talked about, like the anesthesiologist or the radiologist. And also, um, the No Surprises Act has instituted a process to determine what the patient's health care plan or insurer must pay out of pocket. And that turns into a dispute between the provider and the insurer. So it keeps the patient for having to get in the middle of that. And one other thing I was going to say is that it also requires healthcare providers to provide easy to understand notices to patients that are getting out of network care, that it could be more expensive and what they can do to avoid these bills. And then for people who don't have insurance, there are new rules set where they have to make sure that you get a good faith estimate. So really it's trying to be consistent across the board. And so unless you have actively sought out an out of network provider and you don't know that you've done this, you're not going to get stuck holding the bag having to pay for it. So how can Charlottesville residents and everyone else really utilize this act when it comes to medical billing? Well, one thing to consider is that both our state and federal law rely on a dispute resolution process between the insurer and the provider that's supposed to take the consumer out of it. The consumer will still be responsible for cost sharing is structured in the plan, but not the balance bill. So really, if there's a problem, the medical provider and the insurance company are supposed to talk to each other and come to some kind of agreement without involving the patient. However, as we all know, that may not always happen and they're just going to go ahead and send a bill to the patient. So if a patient does get a bill that they disagree with, really the first step is to contact the medical provider and get a reason from them you know, like, why are you billing me this? It's also good to look at if you have insurance, you get explanation of benefit forms, otherwise known as EOBs, and that should break down what you're being billed for and why you're being billed for it. If you can't get to the bottom of it and it's still unsuccessful, generally under this act, the next best step is going to be file a complaint with the Virginia State Corporation Commission. Certainly folks are welcome to call legal aid and get more information on how to do that, but that's generally going to be the remedy. There's not currently like a private right of action where you can file a lawsuit because they did this. But generally right now it's the state corporation commission that would be enforcing this. That makes sense. Could you possibly offer up a hypothetical situation in which the No Surprises Act would be helpful? 
Sure. And I will say, you know, we really haven't seen it in action that much because it is new. It hasn't been law for very long. Um, as I mentioned before, people are probably going to notice that they're getting these notices from their doctors about balance billing rules. So it's definitely something that's going to come to people's attentions. It's also important to note that the No Surprises Act does not apply to Medicaid because Medicaid has been barred from balance billing all along. So people, most of our clients tend to be on Medicaid or Medicare. So that's another reason why we at Legal Aid may not have seen this in action so much. But, you know, I did talk to our MLP attorney in Richmond. She says sometimes she's seen efforts by providers to bill Medicaid patients. And then what she does is she writes to the healthcare facility and tells them, hey, you can't do this. Medicaid is always payment in full, and usually that stops it quickly. So again, it shouldn't be affecting a lot of our clients, but sometimes it does. And sometimes someone with you know, Medicaid may go to a provider that doesn't accept Medicaid. So in that situation, they would want to be aware of the balance billing. Right. And then if someone found themselves in a situation where they needed medical legal help, which organizations in Charlottesville could they reach out to? Well, they certainly could contact Central Virginia Legal Aid Society or our sister organization, Legal Aid Justice Center. Um, For people who don't know, it's very confusing in Charlottesville that there's like two legal aids. And the whole reason for that has to do with federal funding that was restricted in certain ways about 20 years ago when there was a lot of welfare reform politics. And so long story short, we kind of used to all be one organization. But when they put restrictions on federal funding, we, we split into two organizations just so we can use the funding in different ways. So we're both legal aid. We do slightly different things. They tend to do more policy work and we tend to do more direct client representation. But we all work together and everyone in Charlottesville gets confused. But the good news is there's lots of resources for people in the community. So Again, they could contact either one of our organizations. We both have medical legal partnerships. I'm pretty sure LAJC works with DVA, but I'm not 100% sure about that. As I mentioned before, so for CVLES, we also help consumers with medical bill defense. Like, for example, I mean, if there is a defense and they weren't offered financial aid, I mean, most of our clients should qualify for financial aid. So, or if there's been some kind of Affordable Care Act violation. So yeah, I would say you could contact either of our organizations for CBLES. If you go to um, CBLES.org, there's information about how to go through our intake process and we conduct intake by phone and online. So it's definitely ways people can get help. And, and another excellent resource, I guess it's not really an organization, but there is a website sponsored by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. It's www.vhh a.com. And on there, you can find links to all of the different charity care available in all the hospitals and what's available. And, it, and it's pretty cool, actually. I've checked it out and got this whole like GIS thing going on. So, so yeah, so I think, I mean, that, that would be my knowledge of, of who to contact. I mean, certainly that there are probably other resources out there, but that's kind of where I would start. Great. Thanks for letting me know. I definitely wanted to ask that question because if someone listening to this happened to experience the No Surprises Act or something along the lines of medical law this early on, then they would have somewhere local to go to, which I think would be really helpful. And also, you know, not going in person, having a website to reach would actually probably be helpful, especially during COVID times, as we all know. call us and we can't help them. Oftentimes we can direct them to someone else and mm. the same with the Justice Center. So 
That's also very good to know. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yes. And I meant to mention this before. So consumers really need to be aware that in some circumstances, like an out-of-network provider might ask them to waive their protections under the No Surprises Act, and they would give them a waiver and ask them to sign it. This is, you know, maybe somebody is choosing to go to an out-of-network provider for something very specific. And, and part of that agreement is, okay, well, but you got to understand this is going to cost more. They have to use a standard form that notifies patients of their right and an estimate of how much they would expect to pay for out-of-pocket network care. And they and it has to request the patient's consent to be balance billed. They cannot use this form and ask a patient's approval to balance bill if there is no in-work network provider available. So it can't sort of be this contract of adhesion like you have no choice. We're the only ones in town and you're gonna you're gonna agree to this. They can't do it for any sort of care that becomes unforeseen and urgent in the course of treatment and for any emergency medicine, anesthesiology, pathology, radiology, et cetera. So the patients really can't be coerced into signing away their protections. So, you know, for example, they would, they would be charged a fee for canceling a scheduled procedure because they didn't sign the form. So if anybody has an issue like that, do give us a call. I mean, I see this as a consumer issue and something, you know, we could definitely look at. And then patients also have a right to revoke their consent. So, you know, prior to obtaining services, of course. So I would really, obviously, you know, before you sign anything, no matter what it is, you really need to read it and understand it and make sure that you agree with it because we see this all the time with all kinds of things, whether it's a lease or you know, someone buying a car and they're like, I didn't really read what I signed. Can't stress this enough. I mean, even in Virginia, if you sign something written in English and you don't speak English, you're bound by it. So you really got to be careful, really, all of us, we got to read, read what we sign and understand what we sign and make sure we agree with it. I would just conclude by encouraging anyone questioning a medical bill they did not expect, you know, really review it carefully. And if they think they've been balanced billed, seek assistance from one of these medical legal partnerships at either of the legal aids, or you can make a complaint to the Virginia Corporation Commission. Thank you so much. I know you said this wasn't <laughs> your area of expertise, but we got so much great information. I'm really excited to get this out there to people because I think it'll be super helpful for them. And I really appreciate you talking with me. Well, that's really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. Staying up to date on medical billing can be a daunting task. For more local resources, you can get in touch with the Central Virginia Legal Aid Society or the Legal Aid Justice Center. We'll have links in the description. Thanks for listening to Charlottesville Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM and the Virginia Audio Collective. Both are a service of the University of Virginia. However, opinions expressed on this show are not the positions of the university. WTJU is supported by the Southern Environmental Law Center, protecting Virginia's air, water, and natural treasures and leading the way towards a healthy environment for all. Learn more at southernenvironment.org. That does it for this week's edition of Charlottesville Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. My name's Mary Garner McGee. Our producer this week is Sarah Howarth. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Marin Alasco and Jay Pun. This is Charlottesville Soundboard.